Actually, Misty, you come up with them. I love bragging on these two. This is Robbie and Misty Atwood, one of the most beautiful couples that I know. And they, um, they run the 127 House of Prayer in Somerset, Kentucky. And uh, we've, been, we've had a relationship with these guys for five or six years. And um, they've been a staple at all, all four of our presence conferences. And we just were with you guys in the spring. We took a team of about 20 uh, down, spent a couple uh, days just doing family with these guys and just being with them. So we love them so dearly. Robbie has some amazing resources. Not only is he just an incredibly anointed prophetic teacher and preacher, he's an incredible uh, uh, worship leader as well, but he's got a lot of written resources and materials. You're c- coming up with new books and all kinds of resources all the time. So anyway, can we just stretch forth our hands t- to these guys and just bless them today? Lord, thank you for the Atwoods. Lord, thank you for our family in Somerset, Kentucky, in God's country, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I get a witness on that. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you for the joy they carry. Thank you, Lord. I just, I, I don't know if I know anyone stewarding identity with a family better than 127 and better than Robbie and Misty right now, Lord. So let all that revelation of identity in the Father heart of God just blast, be like a splash park in this room today, God. Let this be a giant splash park where the Father, heart of God, just gets splashed all over us. Splash us, Papa, today. We just bless the Atwoods. We receive them. Central Indiana receives these leaders. In the name of Jesus, amen. Wow. Okay, we can go home now. I don't do a lot of, uh, of the, the, whoa, but I just got a, whoa, <laughs> whoa, what was that? Where did that come from? I did get a, whoa, uh, over 20 years ago on Easter Sunday when I looked over to my left and I saw this beautiful blonde standing there in all of her glory. Would you come up here, beautiful blonde, in all of her glory? This, oh my gosh. This, it looks, our kids are clapping, yes, yeah, laughing, they're laughing, okay. Uh, Our two wonderful children are with us uh, back here. Look, and Olivia, raise your hand. Uh, Yeah, they, they run a company called LNO Publications, uh, Luke and Olivia Publications, and they'll be selling the goods, the resources after we speak today. So they'll be glad to take your money. And I don't know if I'll get any money after it's all collected, but we'll find out what happens. But anyway, uh, we also brought some friends from the House of Prayer, Josh and Stephanie. And they're, they're two young ones. So Josh and Stephanie, wave your hands. Yeah, they're awesome. They, uh, they help us keep worship and prayer going on. Uh, they oversee the night watch. Uh, at the house of prayer, and they're just so dear to our hearts. In fact, when the Lord spoke house of prayer to us, none of us really knew what that was. <laughs> you know, like we did, we had we hadn't heard of IHOP, we hadn't heard of prayer movement. I, I didn't like prayer. 
I liked worship. I didn't like prayer. I thought prayer was boring, and it's a room full of people asking God for things they already have. <laughs> you know? Come on, somebody. And we didn't know what it was, but we knew God was calling us to build the house of prayer. And they, Josh and Stephanie, said yes to the, to the heart of God in the house of prayer. And they opened up their home, and we began to meet in, in their living room and begin to cry out to God and ask Him to raise up this house of prayer. And it's been beautiful. And they're here today, uh, 13 years later, uh, saying, Lord, here we are. And they, they drove four hours. They have plenty of things going on. that they, sh they should have stayed home in the natural, but they're here with us. And so I just want to applaud family like this, you know. And so, Misty, do you want to say anything? You don't? Would you Hold on. Would you help me give away some stuff? We do sell most of our stuff, but we give away some stuff. So uh, we want to give away some resources. Uh, this is my latest CD. It's a prayer CD, and I actually recorded it in Kansas City with a group of IHoppers. And uh, Corey Russell's actually, he has a track on here. And it's seven tracks of just, if you have a problem uh, speeding in your car, don't listen to this CD while you drive. I mean, you know, I'm listening to Corey Russell like, yeah! <laughs> driving up 75 like oh god i'm going 95 mile an hour you know explain that to the police officer right you know god listen to court, you know so anyway that's one of those cds so uh misty you'll have to decide who throws their hand up first who wants this album oh, okay. okay i would rather her make enemies than me so i'm gonna let her pass it out this is a devotional called Satisfy My Soul. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a 40-day devotional with uh, Jay Thomas, Justin Rizzo. I got to write one of the entries in here, Matt Gilman, uh, John Thurlow. So uh, we want to give this one away as well. I can't believe you're making me do this. Oh, Lord. That'll be $15 at the table. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've got a, uh, the first book I wrote uh, just talking about not liking prayer. Uh, the Lord began to disciple me in prayer. And because I said, Lord, if, I, if I'm going to lead a house of prayer, it's probably a good idea that I like prayer. <laughs> you know? And so the Lord began to disciple me in prayer. And so I wrote this book as a testimony of that. It's called Prayer the Great Journey, Discovering the Joy, the Unlimited Potential and Joy of Prayer. And so we want to give this away. So there you go. Oh it comes with a study guide as well. So just give them, give them both. And then this last one, uh, it's, it's a workbook. Uh, it comes from uh, an, a, what we call a quip collection. And uh, it's a collection of just uh, uh, topics uh, that I've written on. Uh, this one's Identity in Christ, and we're going to talk more about that today. This is a burning desire in my heart is to see the church come alive to who we are. Pray from that place, not here, right? And so this talks about some of those things. So if you want this workbook, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That'll be, yeah. And if you buy a resource, you get a free flyer. So, yeah, that's for an upcoming Consume Conference. Uh, it's going to be myself, uh, Ryan Hall, uh, Chris Toffalon from IHOP, Phil Wynn uh, in September. So pick that up. It has more information on it uh, for our annual Consume Conference uh, coming up in September. So come enjoy, and we'll just have another hoedown with Jesus, right? That's what we say in Kentucky, a hoedown with Jesus. Come on now, grab your partner, do -si do Where do I put this thing? I don't know. Let's just put it right there. All right. Where's, where are my notes? 
I did a Tom thing earlier. I had them in my, my back pocket, like wadded up. So I finally, I've got my notes. I have got so much coming out of me. I know I only have an hour and a half. So um, you're not eating lunch. You know that, right? Marvin didn't tell. We brought leftover bread, right? That's lunch. So, yeah. Anyway, so, oh, thank you guys. Uh, it's so good to be back. This is fourth year. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, fourth year. So it's so good to be here. Um, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 15. Uh, Marvin uh, asked that we uh, kind of center our thoughts around coming to the table. And it wasn't long that the Lord began to show me Luke 15. And uh, I'm getting a lot of revelation uh, today, this morning, uh, in the lobby at Hampton Inn with Luke 15. So I'm going to try to convey some of those thoughts to you. Some things the Lord has spoken to me about Luke 15, but a lot of this stuff is new. So how many like new bread, fresh bread? Amen. So we're going to try to process this fresh bread this morning, okay? It's a hot, fresh bread, so we're going to pass the hot bread. How many ever played uh, hot potato, right? So uh, everything, every, everything in the kingdom is like hot potato. Everything you receive is to be given away. So we're going to learn today how to give away identity. Amen. Okay. Um, whew, holy. Man, Marvin, good Lord, what you and Sally have done here. I just want to honor these two. Gosh, wow. Thank you so much for your heart to host the presence. There is such, if I had to put into words, this is my perspective of Marvin and Sally. I would say the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God. This morning, I, during worship, I had to go back in the back because I'm getting bombarded with revelation. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me about the prayer movement and the prophetic movement. And how that we have needed with the prayer and the prophetic movement a fathering movement to come alongside and to shepherd the prophetic and the prayer movement. And he began to show me Hannah and Samuel and David and the progression of God's heart for those three, uh, Hannah, Samuel, and David. Hannah represents the prayer movement. Samuel represents the prophetic movement. But God said, I've got to have something that brings those two expressions together in the context of family. I need a father. And he raised up David. The Lord's showing me that the greatest thing about David wasn't just that he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who understood the father heart of God and then articulated that into the earth. That's why David saw such breakthrough was because he was willing to be a father to the prophetic and the prayer movement and bring that into the tabernacle of David. And it was sustained for three decades because there was a father leading a prophetic and a prayer movement. And that's why we're seeing in this hour God restore family is because prayer and prophetic are good, but unless they're in the context of family with a father, beloved, we're just going to keep getting burned out and lost in our, our journey to find him. The revelation that Jesus, the primary revelation that Jesus wanted to bring to the earth was, listen, there's a father. Jesus took 
the black robe off of father's back and the gavel out of his hand that man had put on him. And he said, there's a father in heaven who delights in you. And he has a table he's calling you to. <laughs> you feel that? <laughs> I'm getting woed with you right now. I'm like, whoa. It's okay. We're, you know, I believe we're in a... I told Marvin this morning, we're back in the green room. I said, I believe we're in a time... We're, we're in a John 17 moment. We're in the time has come, Father. He said he lifted his eyes to heaven. In John 17, it's the longest prayer we have of Jesus. It's the longest recorded prayer we have of Jesus. It's when we get to pull up a seat and watch Father and Son connect by way of Holy Spirit together in communion, asking together as a family, God, bring them to us. I and them, us and them, I'm in you, you and me. Let's just get this whole thing wrapped up together in union. And here's what I ask, Father. I ask that you would bring me me bring them where I am I believe we're in a time the hour has come for Christ to be glorified because when Jesus the son is glorified father God is glorified God is restoring fathers in the earth let's go to Luke 15 man Okay, Luke 15. I'm in Romans 10. Where am I at? Good Lord. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Help the old Kentucky preacher. Amen. I was uh, teaching a couple weeks ago at the House of Prayer, and I, wanted, I had this awesome point to make. And, man, I said it, and it's like, yeah. And I said, I'm going to read the verse. And I opened up my Bible to where I thought I was supposed to read. And I start reading something else, like totally different. And I'm like, it killed the moment. <laughs> And you couldn't get it back, so we're like, yeah, just go home, just eat lunch. So, Luke 15, many of you know the story. Uh, there's a few things the Lord has been showing me uh, again this morning about Luke 15. I just want to hit three things the Lord was showing me, and then we're going to kind of just dissect this a little bit. Because the Lord told me this morning, and I really felt this really strongly, He said, you'll never come to the table when you don't understand the Father. You'll never come to the table unless you first understand the Father. If the Father is the one calling the feast in Luke 15, if He's calling the, the, the lavish meal of celebration, if it's the Father calling that meal, if we don't have a right view of Him, then we will run from Him. And we'll be like the youngest son who says, I'll just work in the field. Or we'll be like the other son who says, I've already done all these things. Why are you celebrating him? We're going to talk more about that. Here's three things that the Lord began to show me. Luke 15 shows us in these three parables. We know that there's the parable of the lost lamb, the lost coin, and the lost son, right? Number one, the, these three parables show us the heart of the rejoicing father to restore everything to its appraised value. Luke 15 is about value. Valuable enough to go after what is lost. Amen? Luke 15 is about value. Restored value. I love that 
in, 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 the, in the, um, the parable of the lost sheep, it says that it says that he will go, what's it say? It talks about if there's one lost sheep, he'll go after that one. He'll leave the 99 and he'll go after that one, right? And I was meditating on that one day. I thought, man, I felt like there was something more the Lord wanted to show me. And I began to meditate on that parable about Jesus talking about the shepherd leaving the, the 99 to go after the one. And he spoke to me. He said, Robbie, that story is not just about my compassion for the one, but my heart to have a hundred. It wasn't just about my compassion for the one. It is that. But it's also about his heart to have total dominion. Jesus wants everything restored, right? He makes all things new. That's the nature of the Father, to make all things new. Point number two is all of the parables have home as its final resting place. It says the sheep, the, the shepherd goes back to his home and begins to rejoice with his neighbors and his friends. It's the scene of the home. The lost coin, it was the, the woman had lost the coin in the home. When the prodigal son returned, where did he return to? Where was the party? It wasn't in the fields, right? It was in the home. Come on, somebody. He's wanting to call a generation home. A good father. Calling a generation home. He wants everything restored. Number three, and I want to really hit this today, is these three parables show us the nature and the revelation of Father. This is the prevailing theme in Christ's ministry. The revelation and the nature of the Father. Jesus mentioned Father most of any revelation. We'll read you something real quick. Father is used 613 times in the Old Testament. Only four of those are used for God. You know, we talk about injustice. That's an injustice. 613 times, only four of those are referred to. Father is used to speak of God. Jesus spoke of God in many different attributes, yet God as Father overwhelmed and dominated Jesus' revelation of what God is like. Father is used 311 times. Get this. 249 of those times are used of God. Come on. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? Do you see that the injustice of the Old Testament was that God was a master looking for slaves and, and because of their Pharaoh mindset? This is why Paul said, leave the old way of thinking. Leave Egypt. You're still in Egypt. You view God as Pharaoh, not as a father. Get out of Egypt and get into the revelation of my father is good. Our father in heaven. The, the central prayer of the church, the centerpiece prayer of the church is about a father. More important than what we pray is whom we pray to. 
to a father. He didn't say our judge in heaven. He didn't say our holy one in heaven. Those are all important. He didn't say, fill in the blank, Lord of hosts. He said our father. The prevailing revelation that Jesus wanted to communicate. There is a father. There is a father in heaven. Maybe I'm just getting blessed. That really is amazing. Like, wow. Like the simplicity of the gospel. It's so Jesus simplifies it. You guys have been about so many things. But I'm coming to bring. If you've seen me, you've seen my daddy. Right? Right? You see it. <laughs> He's the image of the invisible God. <laughs> oh, Jesus healed because daddy healed. <laughs> Woo. Uh, let's look at verse 17. Can I raise this thing up? It's the ascended stand now. Okay, here we go. Verse 17. We, we know the story. I won't, I won't read all of it, but you guys know that the son, uh, he, he, uh, he asked for his father inheritance. And uh, his father gives it to both, to both of his sons. Which is interesting because any time that a son asked for his inheritance early before his father died, it was a way of saying, Father, I wish you were dead. Right? If he's asking for his inheritance early, it means that, here's what I see, is that there is a bitter or a warped view of his father. And we wonder why a generation is cash, cashing in their inheritance. I believe the prevailing injustice in the land is we don't understand Abba. That's why the enemy works in society to break down the role of the father in the natural. Because it is the, it is the crowning revelation of God's heart. It's one of the crowning revelation of God's heart is the father in the family. I believe he had a warped view. I believe he had a wrong perspective of his father. And in his warped view, he goes and asks, I want my inheritance. I want to cash in, Father. In other words, uh, Shark Tank, you're dead to me. <laughs> Let me watch Shark Tank. You're dead to me. Mr. Wonderful. Anyway, I love Shark Tank. This is what's going on. He is, I believe, bitter and has a warped view of God. Verse 17, so we know that the son goes through all of that testing. He goes into the fields and he finds out the grass is not greener, right? Verse 17, humiliated. The son finally realized, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger? Feeding these pigs and eating their slop. I want to go back home to my father's house. And I'll say to him. Now look at this next line. We do this. We do this in our conversations with the father. Is we prepare what we're going to say to the father. You talk about a mask. was talking about a mask. You know, wearing a mask before the father. This is what a mask looks like. He had prepared what he was going to say to his father. Out of a warped view of the father. 
even though he had come to his senses that that's not better than home, he still had a warped view because here's what he says. Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. Watch this. I will never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. My dad owns a car business. Um, I grew up in the car business. And uh, when I grew up, I, I was, he actually, he, in many ways, he uh, treated me even harder than the other employees. But, but I knew when I walked into his office, when I walked into that car lot, I had different privileges that the other employees had because I was his son. My, my son even works, Luke, has just started a summer job washing cars for Papa. Him and his cousin Canaan are watching, washing cars, you know, out there just in the hot summer, hot summer day. And, and they, I've heard of them taking advantage of some privileges <laughs> that other employees wouldn't have. But the, but the son here, in his work view of the father, he manufactures this masked prayer and says, Father, I, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I'll just go work for you. Do you know Father didn't, he did not come and redeem us to, to, to build a workforce? He redeemed us because he wants a family. He's a good father who has a good son. He asked in Psalm 2, Father, I pray you'd give me the nations as your inheritance. And by God, Jesus will get what he wants. Not because he's a brat, but because he's a good son who has a good father. <laughs> pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm setting you boys up to pray a prayer that I've already prayed in Psalm 2. And you're just going to kind of, I'm just going to give you the language to, 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 to speak to this Father. Because I want to answer in and through you the cry and the groaning of creation for sons and daughters to come into the manifest glory of Jesus. Romans 8, creation cries out for sons to be revealed. The hour has come. Where are the sons? Where are the sons? Where are the sons who know a good father, who come to the table boldly before the throne, boldly to the table of God? Where are the sons who walk in the power of who they are in Christ? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens our body and it will raise us up. That's going to give me a charismatic little jig right there. You know what I'm saying? If you're in the charismatic church, you got to learn that jig. That's just kind of charismatic 101. You know, teach them how to do the jig, you know? Yeah. Where are the sons? The son is giving the words, but he's not receiving the love. 
Aren't we good at that? Aren't we good at giving God words but not receiving his love? During worship last night when they were singing, um, you guys got on a strong prophetic phrase. I think you started it. Uh, you raised him up. So up, up, out of the ashes, up, up, out of the grave. So we were singing that, you know, about Jesus. And all of a sudden, I felt in my heart it shift, and God started singing that over us. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, whoa. <laughs> oh, that's one of them side ones. When you, you go backwards, when you go side, it's really good. Oh, you know. Oh, I had to get out of my seat and walk the back aisle because I didn't want to knock anybody down. I was like, Shatola, baba, ba, I receive it, I receive it. I've been giving you my worship. Here's what happens in worship is we open our flask and we pour out our perfume before, before Jesus. And before we know it, he's pouring his love out on us. We're at his feet, then all of a sudden he's at our feet. Do you know there's one thing that, that, that God the Father will not give? He'll give anything good in the kingdom, but there's one thing he will not give. Worship. There's one thing in the kingdom that does not have flow. Everything in the kingdom has flow. He gives us joy, we give it back. He gives us glory, we give it back. He gives us peace, we give it out. It has, everything created in the kingdom has flow, but one thing, worship. Worship is one thing we give him that he will not give back to us. But worship is the one thing that releases the things that we give back to him that he gives back to us. Shanda. Come on, man. Come on. Harabasot. Husto Mahanda. Whatever. Glory. We are so good at giving God words when I think we need to become sons and daughters who know how to receive his love. (laughs) Father, I'm just, I'm just, I tell them at the house of prayer, I say, here's one phrase I don't want to hear that I've heard my whole life growing up. I said it last Sunday. She knows what I'm going to say. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I don't want to hear that in the house of prayer. I'll work through your flaws. I'll work through your stuff. We all got that stuff going on. But if you say that, you're fired. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Kind of kidding. You were saved by grace. You're growing in grace. But, beloved, you are a child of the king. You're a son. And what he has, I have. If, if Christ past is clean, my past is clean. <laughs> If Christ's future is, is good, my future is good. <laughs> Y'all just need, we just need to receive that just for a second. Just sit in that for a second. I want you just to lift up your hands right now. I want you just to receive the weight of the simplicity, but the sobriety of grace right now. Oh, God. Oh, oh. I 
I feel like some of us are getting years of shame broken off. (laughs) Do you know the first miracle of Jesus recorded by John? It wasn't a chronological. John's chronologically is all chronological order is all messed up. If you read John and read the other gospels, you go, John has everything out of order. Early on, Jesus or John writes about Jesus going into the temple and cleansing the temple. Matthew writes about it chronologically, not happening until Matthew 21. Why? Because the heart of a lover is always about putting things in order of importance, not in order of chronological. In John, the first miracle that John talks about is him turning what? Water into wine. The first six chapters is about water. It's very interesting. It's about water. John, John 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's about the presence of water. The first miracle that John records and talks about because lover's importance is about a wedding where they ran out of wine and Jesus had to remove the shame off of the bridegroom because he had not ordered enough wine for the ceremony and Jesus knew there's going to be shame on the bride, the bridegroom and the family if I don't restore. Man, you feel that? He was all about removing shame off of his people. The first thing. And why wine? Why was it the subject of wine? We were in a prayer room set just a few months ago, and the Lord blasted me, as Marvin would say, with this revelation. He said, the reason I I turned the water into wine first in the lover's heart is because it gets sweeter with time. The revelation of Jesus removing shame only gets better with time. (laughs) Oh! Uh, This is why we cast our cares, our shame, our anxiety, our worries, our stress upon the Lord. The Lord said, how does someone grow in casting? They they do it by doing it. They, just as a fisherman grows in casting by doing it and by experience, we do it. We go from glory to glory by practicing casting. Father, I pray for the spirit and the wisdom to cast like Jesus. Problems are not our problems. Casting is our problem. The issue is not problems and trials. They're going to come, and they may increase. I don't know. But I do know it's not about issues. It's about casting. Father, I pray for a body right now with the same spirit. I want you to say the same spirit. 
the same Spirit. Not 99% of Jesus, not 80%, not a diluted version of Christ. It is 100% all of God invested inside of you, and it will quicken us. It will quicken our mortal body. Holy. The Son had already manufactured what He was going to say to the Father. Let's go to verse 20. You guys still with me? What time about to be done? 12 o'clock? I got five minutes. Okay. Okay. So the young, the young son, the one we're talking about, set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming. He dressed, uh, dressed as a, be- a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. Because he knew that when the, when the son was making his way, there was going to be people on the side of the road going, Oh, that's the son. that's that shameful son how dare you or here's what we would say shame on you oh may we as people of God never say shame on you (laughs) do you know what you're saying The father said, I'm, going to meet, I'm not just going to meet him to bring him into the house. I'm going to fight off all of the other accusations that's coming his way. Shame on you, son. That's the boy. That's the father's young boy. How dare you? Accusation after accusation after accusation. We just watched The Lion King last week, and I'm getting messed up when Scar is backing up. Uh, what's the young lion's name? Simba. And accusing him, you're nothing. And he, he, would, he would say things about Simba, and Simba's backing up in intimidation. And, and Scar says, just say it. And what's he say? I'm nothing. I'm tired of being backed in the corner by the accuser of the brethren. And it's time that we push back at <laughs> the heart of a lion. Holy I believe that movie is prophetic of what God is doing in His church. Mm. Mm. I'm all about the beloved. I'm all about just sitting at His feet and just, oh, and just love. I, I love that. But there's got to be something in sons and daughters that go, you know what? I've been pushed long enough. No, no, no. And the heart of a lion rises up in you. You say, you know what? My city... My, you know, this, is, this is something the Lord's been doing to me. He's been giving me a, a, um, a courage to ask for my city. He spoke to me. He said, we just come out of a, uh, 23 days of rest. We, we, um, the Lord called us to go into Psalm 23, and I called a 23-day of rest. And I said, guys, I want us to go deep into Psalm 23. I want us to learn how to, re- I want us to, learn how to rest. Toward the end of it, God told me, I was, I was in my secret place, and he said, Robbie, I'm transitioning the body out of Psalm 23 into Psalm 24. I said, what do you mean? What does it even, I know what birth, both verses talk, or both passages talk about. He said, Psalm 23 is about rest, and Psalm 24 is about rejoicing. He said, Psalm 23 is about the pasture. Psalm 24 is about the earth. Psalm 23 is about the table. He 
said Psalm 23 is about the shepherd. Psalm 24 is about the king. We need both. We're not picking here. We're saying both. Shepherds think different than kings, right? Shepherds think about pastures. Kings think about the earth. And I believe God is raising up lion kings in this hour in the spirit of Psalm 24 to believe for our cities. I love what he does in me. I love what he does in my family. But it can't stop there. Why are cities not transformed to the culture of heaven? That's my question. Why, is, why are we just keeping it to ourselves? This is the good news. This is amazing. What? You mean you, God who, who, is, who can do anything he wants to do, lay down his life and washes my feet and brings me into his family, and actually the table is the centerpiece of two covenants coming together. It's at the table that he proposed to you. If you take of this bread and drink of this blood, you'll be my people. Let's get back to the table. The proposal. Jesus extended his life saying, you know what? It's not just about you belonging to a club of Christians. It's about you becoming me in the earth. We've got to stop asking, am I in the will of God? And our question has to be, am I, am I the will of God? Am I the will of God? Not am I in the will of God. That is an, accusa that's an accusatory question. Am I in the will of God? What? Here's the question we need to ask. According to Romans 12, you will approve and you will become the will of God. <laughs> Are you the will of God? Are you the will of God? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> you are the will of God. Look at your neighbor say, I am the will of God. Now tell them, say, you are the will of God. Good God in heaven. I think we're starting to get this stuff. Amen? How many is getting some of this? How many is getting some of this? Come on. I love, I love resting in the Lord, and we need that. But I want to also rejoice in the Lord. I want, to, I want to prophesy to a city, say, living gateways, open up. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. <laughs> and this king is my father, and my father loves you, and he wants to bring you into his fold. This is who I serve. Ah. Mm. Am I going to have this after the conference? Does this happen after the, you know? <laughs> Robbie's went, he went to Indianapolis, and he, he lost his mind. Real quick, I want to close on this. We know this, the, the, elder, the youngest son, he, has his, he, has his, he, he manufactures what he's going to say. The father clothes him, puts a ring on his back, uh, sandals on his feet, robe on his back. There's a whole lot of revelation there. I won't go through, many of you know it, the revelation that's in that. But it's interesting, and I began, when I began to read this a couple of years ago, the Lord said, Robbie, I want you to ask the question. Uh, he, he, he said this, Ask me the question, what about the older son? Nobody ever talks about the older son, right? We talk about the youngest son, and we should. It's a beautiful picture of mercy and him meeting us and the collision of grace. We love that. He said, what about the oldest son? The oldest son, what happens when he hears the celebration, 
when he sees that the youngest have come home and been redeemed and given the authority just like the father, the same authority as the father, the ring, the sandals, the robe, he, begins to, he, he becomes bitter at what's going on. And he, the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's two perspectives in, in Luke 15 that will kill your identity. One is the perspective of poverty. That's the, old, that's the youngest son. Two is the perspective of pride. Poverty and pride will steal your identity in Christ. During worship, the Lord showed, he took it a step further. He said the youngest son is the knowledge of evil. Right? I'm not even good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm too evil for the house of the Lord, for the house of my father. It's the knowledge of evil. But the oldest son, it's the knowledge of good. Father, I've done all these things. I've been here. I've been faithful. It's all about me. Jesus. It's pride. It's poverty. It stands on both of our, uh, the sides of who we are in Christ. Accusing us. Telling us you're not good enough or you're too good. <laughs> now personally, I grew up with the revelation or I grew up with the wrong perspective of poverty. I tried harder. I gripped my teeth harder. I would pray that God help me to hate sin. Just help me to hate it like you hate sin. And two weeks later, I'm back in sin. I'd go to Winterfest and, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry for all the sin. I'd name every sin I did. You know what I'm saying? Just, just whatever. And two weeks later, I'm back in the same mess that I was before. I had the words. I didn't have the change of heart. And still, I would beg God for approval that I already had. And God began to break that off. He took me through a, a two or three year process showing me. He told me, he said, Robbie, more important than what you've learned is what you're going to unlearn. And he began to strip things off of me. I wonder what happened to the son when he came to the father. I wonder if, if the father began to take things off of him. Just, just perhaps, this is my holy imagination. I wonder if the father said, nope, that's not me. No, that's not me. No, that's not me. This is me. <laughs> Try this on, my beloved son. Now come into my house. We're going to sing. We're going to go to the table. Do you know that where they would celebrate was at the table? <laughs> we need the party back, man. We need the party back in the church. And we have to choose the table. What Marvin said last night. We have to choose the table. Are y'all with me? Let me just say this paragraph. This is something I wrote this morning. I think so many times we want fire, Holy Spirit fire, so it can control us. When Holy Spirit wants to release Father Revelation to empower us. We want him to give us three dreams and a big red truck when Holy Spirit wants to give us confidence that we are loved by the Father, freely making decisions on an internal frequency, not an external one. And we must make the decision. When we started the House of Prayer in Somerset, we actually had a House of Prayer in London. The Lord began to stir my heart. 
and, and we were doing London. It was awesome. We were doing so many great things, but the Lord encountered me one day. He said, Robbie, I want you where you weep. I lived in Somerset. I've grown up in Somerset, and I was building the house of prayer in London. He spoke to me one day. He said, Robbie, I want you where you weep. And he said, do you weep over London? I said, no, Lord, I don't. He said, do you weep over Somerset? You know that question. <laughs> you know the answer to that question. Isn't God a rhetorical God? Job, were you there when I formed the earth? <laughs> Father and son in Matthew 16 is like, who do you say that I am? You ready to release it, Father? Hold on, Father, just one second. Ooh. I wish we could have read. I, 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 sometimes I think there was more that was said than just what was said, what was written. Peter's like, even Peter was tongue-tied. If Peter's tongue-tied, we've got problems. I can imagine a holy suspense. Who do you say that I am? Hold on, Father, don't release it yet. Oh. We don't even know your parables, like what the heck you're talking about, much less who you are. Thumbs up, Father. Bam! You're the son of the living God. You're Christ. Yes, Peter. Now, let me tell you who you are. We want to know who we are when we won't take the time to develop the view of who he is. Your identity is only found in who he is. <laughs> Holy. You feel that? Just receive that right now. Father, we just receive right now the revelation of Christ as the Son. There could have been a myriad of right answers or correct answers. They, they could have said, you're the Lord of hosts and been, been correct. They could have said, you're the Holy One of Israel and been correct. You could, they could have said, you're the one, the, the one born of a virgin and been correct. But you were looking not for a correct answer, but a right answer. A son, a son, who by revelation the Father reveals that sonship to the earth. So Lord, we're asking you right now for revelation of Abba, revelation of sonship. I believe he's doing both. If, you, if you're with me and you want more of this, I want you to stand with me. If we can have some music, and I'm going to close this down. I know we're hungry um, for more than just Jesus. We're hungry for God or for food. So just stay up here. We're just going to go into a time of ministry. <clears throat> And he is just so doing such a clear theme of unveiling us, of taking off those masks. I'm just, uh, man, and that revelation of David is a picture of the father, you know. And we always think worship, but it's really more about fathering in the earth. And I'm just, I'm right, pulled right back into 2 Samuel 9 from last night with the uh, story of Mephibosheth. But uh, that in verse 5, it says, then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Mephibosheth answered, here is your servant. I'm thinking about what Robbie was saying about we get these prepackaged prayers of how to, you know, weasel our way into the good graces. And listen to what David says. So if David's a father, David said to him, do not fear, is the first thing out of David's mouth. I just saw it's like we talk about so much of our life is like the layers of the onion 
being peeled back. I feel like it's that way with the mask to the mask we wear in the church. And I saw the mask of, Carolyn, you're going to love this. It's, we're just setting you up for tonight, sis. So the mask of shame, the Lord as Robbie was preaching on sonship and really fa fathering, the father is the bigger, is the big idea. The mask of shame got pulled off and fear was really what's behind it. And ultimately, if you pull, pull fear off, we'll hit this tonight, it's death. Death is the ultimate thing. Shame and fear lead to death. I feel like, I'm just going to get this back over to Robbie, but I feel if we don't deal with fear, uh, shame will just continue to have its place. And um, fear will keep you in servanthood and bondage. You will be, you will be great workers. I mean, what Robbie said about, like, Jesus didn't come for a workforce, a better workforce in the earth. He came for a family. I feel like until we deal with the mask of fear or the root, really it's a root of fear, we will stay enslaved in a servant mentality and we will never walk into sonship. And so I feel like I just, um, I'm just going to, as a papa in this region, I'm just going to lead us out in a repentance prayer of fear of partnering with fear. Do you know fear is demonic? Fear is demonic. It's not just emotional stuff. It actually can be empowered by an anti-God uh, uh, power in, in the universe. And so we want to repent for partnering and hand-holding with fear. So, Lord, I just come before you as a father in this region, and I just leading. I'm helping lead my family out of bondage, out of Egypt. This is one more step on the journey out of bondage into seeing you rightly. Lord, I see you most as a master when I see you through the lens of fear. I repent for unholy fear. I break my agreement and you say it in your own words. I break my allegiance and my agreement with the spirit of fear right now. Deliver me from the spirit in the lens of fear. Lord, fear will cause me to just make up prepackaged prayers. Fear empowers shame. Forgive me for empowering shame through my willingness to stay in fear. Lord, I pray for a mass deliverance from fear. No fear on the sons and daughters. No fear on the sons and daughters. The Lord gave me a phrase, a prophetic promise about 10 years ago. It's a song and he said, he began to sing through me and I began to say, I see many sons, I see many daughters coming dancing through these doors saying, I have a father. And there was such joy and it was this deliverance of seeing the father rightly. It wasn't the son saying, I'll come as a servant and I'll figure it out how to just get food. It's not enough just to get provision, guys. That's not the fullness. Provision isn't the fullness of restoration. Love Love is the fullness of restoration. Yes, Father. I need to tell you this story real quick. I feel like God is giving, here's what I'm hearing. God is releasing the grace to make a decision. 
I didn't finish the story, but when the Lord called me to uh, move from London to Somerset to plant the house of prayer, I was wrestling. I was asking God for dreams and a big red truck, like I just said. I was asking him for all these confirmations. And one day he came to me. He said, Robbie, what do you want? Poverty says, why does that even matter? It's your will, not mine be done. And he took me to the story of Solomon, who was a son of David, the father. And when Solomon took over the throne, look at what happened. He said, Solomon, what do you want? I'll give it to you. You know you're a son when you've developed confidence in making decisions. It's called maturity. I believe God wants to release the grace to make decisions today. That we're asking for all these things, which are great. I love dreams. I love visions. I I continue to ask for them. But there are times when God says, what do you want? When the Father trusts you as a son or a daughter saying, you know what? I know that what you ask for is actually going to be a mirrored image of what I would ask for. Because you're in union with Christ. Amen? If that's you, if you say, I want to make that decision today to cast off fear in anything that would hold you, I want you to join me up front. I want to pray for you. Grace to make this decision today. Grace to make a decision. Holy. Oh. I feel like generations are being altered right now this morning. That family members are being changed by your decision to say no more fear. No. And I'm going to ask Holy Spirit for and a grace for decision tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day that you would actually grow in grace and grow in casting. So if you guys would sing, I just want to pray for, for us this morning. Good, good father, to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Oh. Uh-huh.